0: Hi, and welcome to the Saxophone Academy podcast. I'm Dr. Wally Wallace.
1: And I'm Dr. Susan Fancher. And
0: today we're gonna to talk about some exciting saxophone topics, including yes. the world's most expensive ligature, <laughs> Sue Strip the fans, and the music of...
1: Charles Kirkland.
0: Oh, We'll pronounce that in English later. <laughs> Hope you enjoy the episode. And if you have any questions for the podcast, reach out to us. You can email me, wally, at the Academy.com. Hope you enjoy the episode. Why haven't I done that every time, Sue? You know what I
1: mean? like, It didn't occur to me. I know. <laughs> well, I didn't realize like what an ordeal it was for you to have to go back and do all that. So, Well, that's just because <clears> of
0: <throat> very poor planning on my part.
1: Hey, but, live and learn, man. Yeah, that pre- Trello thing's pretty cool. Trello?
0: Yeah. Oh, the project management. Yeah, I
1: think that's going to help because each th- one's going to be a slide. And it'll be easy to. Like was that posted? Was that not posted? Gonna, I don't know. I and mean, what to, did we talk about? I don't t- know. <laughs> <laughs> what look, are we going to talk look at about? Us being professional. I don't know. Speaking about being
0: professional, Sue. Why
1: would we be professional? That's, well, we are recording now. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I figured.
0: You are now, yes. uh, you have a busy semester full time at Duke University teaching saxophone. saxophone,
1: coaching chamber music, and coordinating the wind brass area.
0: That's really exciting. Is yeah, it been a good fun. semester? Are you enjoying the the new gig?
1: Yeah. I'm trying to figure out exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> so that, that's part of the deal, but that's part of the beauty of it. So they, they just want me to do stuff that, that I'm good at and that brings value to the department and helps out my, my fellow colleagues. Holy
0: cr- So yeah, holy crud. Crud. Do you, Are they hiring anymore? I'll come assist you with that <laughs> I like what you're planning. Cause when I open up my yeah. weekly agenda, it just says across both pages, wing it. <laughs> and, uh, I'm a
1: list maker, but I keep adding things to my to do list faster than I, I check them off. And then I have a, a tendency to add things that are kind of easy to check off and not doing the things that are hard to check off. Is oh yeah. that human nature? No, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, a,
0: there's a book that I like uh, oh. called Eat That Frog by Brian Tracy. Oh. And his premise of the book is if you, on your daily schedule, uh, have a, a bunch of things to do, and one of them is to eat a live frog, <laughs> it's best not to put that task off.
1: It <laughs> talks about starting your day
0: with eating the frog. And once that's out of the way, I mean, if you have to eat a live frog as part of your day, which I don't know whose day looks like that. Frankly, they should know. find another line of work. Yeah, but right? once you get that out, everything else seems easy by comparison.
1: You know what's funny for me? If I practice before I face down my email, I enjoy my practice better and the rest of my day is awesome if I can practice first. Not everybody has that luxury and a lot right. of days I well, don't, but
0: we're talking some, we're starting off with a bang with some real life lessons here Sue. Yep. This is I'm not comfortable with this. But to that end, <laughs> I've got a couple of mantras that I've adopted. Uh number 1 is that I create before I consume. <sighs> that sounds like an environmentalist thing, but it's not. What I mean is exactly like you, I used to wake up Check um oh, check my email. See any comments on social media stuff that I need to get back to to students. Look at my uh, to do list, and I would fill blah, my blah, head blah. and like, yep. you know, with other people's agendas. My cortisol yep. level would spike, and then the whole time you're practicing, you're thinking like, oh, I've got that. Yep. You know, like I just got um, an email from someone with a customer related thing to one of my mouthpieces. Yep, and like it's fine, it'll get solved. But that's eating away when you should be making beautiful music.
1: Yeah, I'm right? focused on that. Right. Sometimes a to-do list helps me to focus on something else because like that stuff that keeps floating around in my head, I write it down mm-hmm. and then I don't worry that I'm going to forget it. So like if I wake up in in the middle, then I think, oh no, I know I forgot to do that. Whatever it is, X, X Y Z. I write it down and then I can go back to sleep because well, I'm moves, not worried about forgetting. <laughs> uh, David
0: Allen's getting things done system. Are you familiar yeah. with that? Am no. I the only one that reads these nerdy business books?
1: I'm glad you do because yeah. you, know, so I, I, you save me that a lot of time.
0: <laughs> all these things floating around, these open loops as he calls them are eating up your mental RAM or your mental energy. So getting them out, organizing, sorting them. And then even if you just stick them in a file folder, yeah, you know, uh, ideas for later, it gets it out of your head on paper. And then like, you can focus on the task. In hand. Yeah. So I yeah. started practicing before I check my email. Ugh. No offense to my students, but, and I started and I'm. Well, creating, they want you to
1: practice Wally.
0: They don't, I'm, I'm <laughs> sure they don't care. They're like, we've heard him. And then, and then I create, I write scripts for videos. Ugh. I write my curriculum for our teaching yeah. content. Before I wake up and consume anyone else's thoughts. Yeah. Um, Yeah,
1: it's hard because then, you know, there are those days where you get an email that's kind of time sensitive.
0: Yeah. Or, you know, I got to get that. Yeah.
1: I guess people should learn to send those sooner. I got an email last week when I was out of town that was like, oh, whoops, this has to be done by midnight tonight. And I'm getting this at noon. And I've got a whole bunch of stuff I've got to do in the afternoon. I'm thinking, oh, for Pete's sake. Yeah. Well, so anyway.
0: then, Then another mantra. Failure to plan on your part does not uh, constitute an emergency yeah. on my part.
1: That's true, maybe. Yep.
0: Yeah, but you know what does constitute an emergency? What? I gotta hear about this 700 dollars ticket. <laughs> so this is this is funny.
1: Oh man. So Van
0: Doren, just rather nonchalantly, sent you because you are a Van Doren. Well, you
1: know what the backstory on this is, Wally? Tell me. So I came to record a podcast one time months ago and you asked me if I had heard about this new ligature that Van Dorn had come out with and me as a Van Dorn artist, of course, I, I had no idea because <laughs> I don't really pay <laughs> attention to anything. I don't know what I'm doing with my life, Wally. I just don't know that. Uh, so you, making music rather you than talking told, about gear. I don't know. That's well. That's nice of you. Yeah. You told me, oh, they came out with this, you know, this new carbon ligature, and you just cracked up because you're like, okay, Sue, you should know about this stuff. I'm okay. So okay, fine. So I went home and I sent an email to my friend. Um, clarinetist extraordinaire David Gould who works for Van Dorn and I said hey David I'd love to try this you know this carbon um, ligature carbon fiber ligature and so he sent me one
0: so you so, made, you asked for a $700 product well, I just said, not no like, hey, I dude, didn't know it was
1: a $700 <laughs> ligature so I said would you send me one to try because I'm a Van Dorn artist how am I going to keep up on stuff if they don't send me this stuff? was there so a, said, was
0: there a very conspicuous return label in the package?
1: No, <laughs> no. So I still have this thing. Um we'll get into the, the 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 cost side of it in a minute. But the thing that's so funny about it is it came with a cap that it that didn't fit on it because it didn't come together put together with the cap. It came in a box. It's come, I should have brought the box. The packaging is beautiful. Well, would, yeah. This ligature and this cap. And the, the cap didn't fit the ligature. So that was my first reaction. Well, geez, Louise. This cap doesn't even fit this ligature at this point. I still don't know that this is a seven hundred dollar ligature. So they had accidentally sent me the cap that goes they with that M O ligature. They probably sent you a,
0: probably a, a one of the prototype <laughs> units. Yeah. Not one of, the, one of the one of the ones with the full packaging. I don't know,
1: and, but they sent it in this beautiful box. It's a. Yeah. lovely I kept the box. I usually throw boxes you out because like I'm not there a order, No, nothing. It's just in a stack of boxes. Maybe I'll put a Christmas gift in it or something. <laughs> Who knows? You're, so then you tell me that this ligature is seven hundred bucks. I'm like. Okay, because you know, every once in a while, Wally jokes about stuff. So I thought, I know, right? So I thought, "Uh aha, very funny. And then you're like, no, Sue, seriously. And you send me a couple of links online. I'm like. Oh what the heck? Cuz I had tried it and I thought, "Oh wow, that's really great." And I put it in the drawer and I was still playing on my MO ligature. <laughs> and I'm like, "Wait a second. Where did I put that thing?" <laughs> and so I grab it. Then I put it on and I'm like, "I better try this again." Wow, it must be really good if it's $700, you know. Right. And it's so almost like, I, like Oh wait, yeah, I
0: uh, Apple, that's still
1: around? <laughs> oh, I've got Apple stock. Oh yeah. yeah, if, yeah. if you Oh, you should have bought yeah. Apple stock like 40 years ago, you would be wealthy. So basically
0: you're using this carpet the 700 ligature. There's a door stop, not realizing that. <laughs>
1: well, at least I hadn't done that. I just yeah. had to put it in the drawer. I thought, yeah. okay, I got a spare ligature. And so then I tried it and I was like, wow, this is really good. And I thought, well, but is it really good? I mean, the low register, the response was spectacular. Altissimo, no problem. And I thought, wow, it's got a really kind of rich, that was the only word I, a rich, um, Mellow, that's not really the right word. Just it was just like, mm, just like a readiness, but a richness, but not readiness like in buzzy, edgy. And it just had a beautiful sound. I thought, well, I'm it's a, I mean, it's a ligature. What difference does it really make? You could just put, you know, a, a rubber band or a string around your mouthpiece to hold the read on. What difference does that make? And so then I put the MO on. I'm like, that is a really great ligature. The MO ligature, you know, it's a really great ligature. And I thought, hmm. Interesting. And I put the carbon fiber one on again. And I thought, you know what? I actually like it better. Now, would I go out and pay $700 for it? Probably not because I'm cheap. <laughs> But <laughs> the the truth is, um, it's actually really great. And so I was at this American Single Read Summit a couple of weeks ago at the University of South Carolina in Columbia, South Carolina, which all of the geeky people were. <laughs> <It> sounds
0: fascinating. <laughs> actually, it was actually Go really oh, wonderful. Oh no, we're through. almost out of high hard drive space. <laughs> Do you
1: know Andrew Allen?
0: Uh, he's at uh, Georgia College of State University.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I got talking to him, and he's like, oh. You're playing on that carbon ligature. Goes. I had them send me one. Oh, it's so great. I wanted to buy it, but I just can't justify it because he had just bought another saxophone or something. He bought a tenor. He he bought something expensive lately, and he doesn't want to get a divorce. So so right. he he said, "But I tell you, if it was two fifty, I would have done it." And I, so I'm I guess that because of how expensive it is to make this thing, they have to charge that much because if they could charge less, I kind of guess they would charge less. Okay. But I'm I'm not an expert about these kinds of things. Like be- I don't know if you want to look at it. I don't know. Yeah. How so do they I make am, this? I'm
0: becoming an, an, Okay,
1: I'm going to lean over and head I it No, just hold it. Hold oh, yeah.
0: it. Just, I don't want to touch it. I don't, yeah. don't, I don't want... Um, oh,
1: you can't. I'm not so, so the It's tech, really light yeah, and really the, strong. Well, and, yeah. and
0: carbon fiber is incredibly strong. So in, yeah. in like uh, high-performance sports cars when they want to make it go faster but still have the strength and rigidity because you need a rigid body to make it handle better. I watch right. a lot of Top Gear. Uh, and so one of the upgrades it will do is make body panels and other parts of the car out of carbon fiber because it's very stiff and strong but also incredibly lightweight. Now, they obviously don't put it in a Ferrari for its vibrational and acoustic properties, to my knowledge. But um, so it's really interesting. So I am in the prototyping phase of... A I a, know. With a brand new company that's going to be I launching. I know you are, yeah. I'm super excited. So I've learned a lot about this. So interestingly, um, when I when I showed a picture of that to my uh, industrial designer friend, who's yeah. is starting this new company with me, um, and, you know, how much would it cost to make that? And he gave an estimate that I'm not going to quote. Yeah. But, but he's like, oh, we've got, well, he's like, our, our cabin fiber guy? He's Australian, our cabin fiber guy? <laughs> well, they've made this for us. And so, um, you know, it's more expensive than Brass Wally. Uh, getting that, I mean, it might cost. And then he named a number. And it yeah. was- I don't know where the $700 mark comes from. Yeah. Unless it's, maybe it's a special carbon fiber. Right. Maybe it's cryogenically frozen in the VAR region of France. I don't know. But, and that gets us to an interesting thought. So, it looks beautiful. It performs brilliantly. It's carbon fiber, should, should be very strong, very Although light.
1: possibly brittle? I don't know. If I step on it, it's probably not a good thing, or will it? I'm not going to try it. I think it's going
0: to be quite durable. Okay. It's, um, I mean,
1: it's. I can't believe how light it is.
0: Yeah. It m- one of the things that make costs go up is just simply if you don't make a whole lot of it, obviously it's more- I ex-
1: thought about that. So that's that, that unnerving a small, thing. Yep.
0: So as we're sourcing out and pricing out the production run of our ligature, um, we have to like, all right, so the cost difference between producing 100 is very different than producing 1,000. And then you have to like- So you know, there's a lot of reasons why yeah. it, may, it may be that expensive. I mean,
1: it's gorgeous, and I do actually notice a difference, but- I mean, that's a lot of money. Yeah. It is.
0: Well, so I can't scoff that much. And then there's a little bit of confirmation bias, maybe. Like, did it play slightly better when you realized it was $700?
1: I paid more attention to the fact that right. it played better for so, sure because you are yeah. human and I am yeah, yeah, fully yeah, aware. Yeah. I had this yeah, conversation
0: yeah. with uh, Kevin Brainer, the president of Windy City Woodwinds, that when we're testing mouthpieces, I think I was subconsciously thinking sometimes they would just send me a prototype of whatever was in the 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 FDM printer, the, the 3D printer that day. So it might be bright yellow, and I think I think this one's brighter. And, and he's like, sure, it's not just the, the color. color yeah. And I was like, and he's like, Wally, I found myself falling. And, and Kevin sure. is like, so engineering mindset, you know, very logical guy. And I found myself. So now when we're doing prototyping, they send me all black prototypes. So I don't have that, that cognitive bias.
1: There was a woman who performed on that summit who was playing on a mouthpiece that was like a pale pink. And I asked Andrew, actually, I said, what kind of mouthpiece is she playing on? He's, and he said, oh, she's playing on one of these, you know, 3D printed mouthpieces where you can just choose your color. And I I don't know anything about them. I don't know if you have any idea. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, not mine. Or you're different. Okay. I, I, I don't sh- know what I she's playing on. I
0: assure you the Wendy and he wins 56. Uh, it does not come in a, in a pale pink.
1: Well, anyway. Only hot It pink, looked baby. really cool. And she played like a million bucks. I can't, yeah. I'm going to have to look up her name. And Was her it a credit. clarinet or saxophone? Saxophone. Okay.
0: Yep. Um, being a single read summit, you can have yeah. you know a really bad bagpiper. Um, you can have, <laughs> I didn't even think if about that. F- if they're missing, oh, I one heard of the some reeds. really
1: beautiful playing from some young some young musicians. And if I had had my wherewithal, I would have like <laughs> you know, if I had my brain with me. I would have like brought their names or something. This one woman played in a trio with piano, percussion, and soprano sax. Some um British composers. And it was great. I mean, it was yeah. such great playing, beautiful music. And so I'm going to, I'll look that up and talk about it another time. Yeah. When I have that. Yeah, let's facts. definitely promote
0: people that are not us. Come on, Sue. We need oh. this. We we need the sweet, sweet oh, publicity. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Do you
1: want me to talk about what I play?
0: I, I want you to talk about, well, uh, another so, oh, I was going co- so co- co- to talk about to the talk confirmation about. bias. I know. Yeah. So
1: Okay. Yes. Go back. So yeah. I, I
0: started telling people about my journey with the saxophone and mm-hmm. how I had a Yamaha. I still have a Yamaha. But yeah. I, I used to have a Yamaha. I still do, but I used yeah. to, too. Uh, and then, and then I went. I got a I vintage Khan. To yeah, it, that's a Mitch Hedberg joke. And then I got a con, beautiful. And then I got a King Super Twenty Silver Sonic, beautiful. And then I got a Sawa yeah. Elite Pro Series that has yeah. nothing overtly wrong with it that I could point to, other than I just didn't like it. Yep. um is one of the things. You ever meet someone and you're like? Nah, they're too nice. <laughs> I, that does not happen when people <laughs> meet me, but. And so anyway, so uh, my dealer, Brian, at Get a Sax, um, I finally said, "Yeah, I think I just need to try some Vintage Selmers. Ah. So being the guy he is and uh, being someone of a saxophone internet YouTube celebrity with the demographic of 35 to 55-year-olds in the Northern Hemisphere, uh, I get a little bit of special treat. I don't get All special right. treatment. No, I joke <laughs> out there and no discounts, but like he put out Jeez. five Selmer Mark <laughs> Sixes. Oh. All what he considered to be very fine players. Okay, and he knows similar Mark Sixes. Yeah. And so Which I thought, like, all right, I'll go out and try it. And I was gonna like, I'm not gonna fall in love. I'm not gonna fall in love. Right. And I fell in love. Um oh. and so the first one I bought, I bought two of them were just something special. One of them
1: Wow, Wally.
0: One of them uh that I initially was gonna choose was so utterly perfect. And it was right at about 10 grand. Okay, um, which is for saxophone and You might as well just say like it's unattainable.
1: Yeah,
0: and it um, had like the lacquer our, was. Our meant. string
1: playing friends are just yeah. rolling their eyes. They're like, "Yeah, that's a pretty good right, bow." Right, right. So yeah, I talked to. So I, I, mean, had, yeah. I had
0: lunch with my my friend, the pianist and and the bassist that uh, yeah. that plays at the Greensboro Symphony. And oh they're like, yeah, and they're like, "Yeah, so what? Like that's my bow." Right. Um. Yeah. But, as you said, here so, I am like yeah.
1: mulling over a supreme. And so, but this thing was woo, yeah, know? this thing was mint.
0: And the only reason I didn't buy it was it also had. Uh, of the original pads you could tell because it had the shiny little sealant they put oh, only around yeah. the edge and i was like this is an original setup it's like Holy a closet cow. it's the it's the uh mythical what they call the closet queen you know what i mean the, oh, the queen yeah. that's just been sitting yeah. in someone's closet and taking care of a baby and not played wow and so i did not want to take the time and the energy to overhaul it and then wonder how it was going to play after the overall so the one that played even better looked quite a bit rougher um, but it's a 1960, and I bought it, and I've never loved <gasps> an instrument more.
1: When did you do this?
0: A uh, couple of months ago. Barely Yay! two months ago. awesome. So I'm head over heels of a 1961.
1: Oh, congratulations. Silver Mark Six, a
0: late five-digit. Um, and it's it's even... Uh, you know how Silver used to put pickups in the neck of the instrument? I guess, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, someone had the ne- the pickup put it in the neck. Uh, this was taken out and plugged perfectly. Now, normally, my... And quite literal OCD would really bother me. I'm not saying yeah. that as, as, I mean, I literally I do have obsessive tendencies. My, my therapist has always said, well, I don't like labels, but I'm happy to call you obsessive. Um, <laughs> that would really bother me.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but it plays so beautifully, I don't care that it has a plug. Oh, how fun. Hole. Good and for so you. And so I'm in love with that. But I wonder, like, oh, here's the thing, but it's basically like mm, $9,000. Yeah. And so I'm thinking, like, does it play $5,000 better than a Yamaha? And then we get to this interesting thing of how much more money is worth the diminishing returns. Right. Um, Like, you know, Steinway, does it play better than a Kawhi or a Yamaha? Most people would say yes. Does it play 10 times better? And so with that ligature or with the Selmer, it was kind of like once you've tried it, if you fall in love, it's hard to not justify. Like when you get to, like you and I have- passionately pursued the saxophone our entire adult lives
1: yeah we're not beginners and you know i mean so we can we can tell the difference
0: and that's the thing a lot of it's hard to put a
1: price tag on that difference on that
0: on that two percent
1: yeah i mean does it matter i mean i don't know do do i enjoy playing more yeah i really enjoyed my performance this was my first performance with this ligature with carby
0: yeah, Carby, the, the Carby, carbon yeah. Carby, the carbon fiber. I don't ligature. know. It
1: just felt kind of special to be playing on that. I don't right. know what's the price take on that. Well, I don't know. You how know, many, and how many performances do I have left in the you know remaining fifty years of my life? I don't know. But if I enjoy them a tiny bit more, is what's the price tag for that? I don't and know. That's an
0: interesting point. So I do to our listeners. Let you know, like there's so many people that's like that's stupid. No way I'm going to play on a carbon fiber. Right. Liger. But a lot of people scoffing that you see in the forums play at about an eighth grade level. Yeah. And I say this because I've seen people Which basically badmouth yeah. my teaching methods and do that. And normally I'd be offended. But then you click on their profile and you take it takes you to the YouTube page. And you're like, oh my God, my eighth graders play better than you. Yeah. And you're saying, as fact, it's a waste of money. X, Y, or uh, Z. Oh, yeah. So if Sue Fa- if Dr. Susan Fancher says the carbon fiber plays differently and she loves it, I take stocking that same thing someone says it's stupid to spend that much money on a mark six when the the Yamaha 62 plays just as well or you
1: could get you could get a summer Supreme for seven what the heck are you doing paying right. nine thousand for a them. little but do bit you of love it
0: I think this two grand of making me happy with confirmation yes
1: yeah. yeah no <laughs> I, I wanted I, a I little totally history cool.
0: and you know can I prove that brass that is vibrated in someone else's hands or you know vibrates differently I don't know but it makes well, me happy do
1: I want to move from my series two? uh to a uh, Supreme just because it's the more expensive horn? I don't know. You know, they make a gold-plated one. Yeah, no, I'm not going there. <laughs> but, you know, for the guy who can afford a $20,000 saxophone, if that makes him feel that Have much Have you tried the special, gold-plated? No.
0: I actually don't prefer- uh, For me, uh, gold-plated on the entirety of the instrument is too much. Okay. it's a v- it, People saying the planning of the instrument makes no difference because it's a vibrating would column of just air. you go the neck? I would go with- I'd perfectly- Personally, don't prefer any gold plating. Yeah, on that. Okay. I prefer um, raw black, raw brass. I haven't
1: Yeah, I just haven't even tried. Yeah,
0: I haven't um, tried it. Try it, you, you know, like it's a, super
1: expensive. And I'm yeah. like, if somebody like feels better, you know, like so if you buy expensive clothes, there's no reason. I mean, a shirt is a shirt is a shirt, mm-hmm. but if you look a little bit better and you look feel a, a little bit better. So, no, no, of course, this is totally like if you can afford it. Right. Obviously, you've got to be able to pay your so rent. So what you're saying and- is students
0: should go further into debt, Sue. No, Am I hearing you no, right? no, no Take no. out a second credit card? Sue, this sounds very- Oh, no, and
1: I'm a very frugal person, yeah. you know. I mean, and when I was in eighth grade, I, I wouldn't know the difference between this no. mouthpiece, that mouthpiece, this saxophone, that saxophone, this- Ligature, that ligature, but, you know, I'm, you know, I know I look very young, but I'm oh, no, in my I, 50s now, and I think I deserve to
0: have- You do. The, I want yeah, to scoff geez. at that, but if, if if Susan Fancher, who I know you are not, people say, well, she's a Vandoran artist, she has to say that you've not, I, I you've not met Sue Fancher, if you No, think I that. don't have
1: to say that, no. They're not going to do anything if I don't love it.
0: Yeah, and even I if,
1: just, I usually don't say anything if I don't have something good to say.
0: Yeah. But mm-hmm. I'm not
1: going to say good stuff about stuff that I don't like.
0: Right, um, but so you saying that makes me actually want to try it. Now, I will say, so the interesting decision, so it is a single screw like the ammo. Yep. It touches the reed laterally across the grain yep. in two places, but unlike the ammo, it does not have a raised pressure bar. It's a flat band. Right. And that's rather interesting. In the designing of our ligature, we're experimenting with raised and flat bands and touching the reed at different points. And uh, But I will say... Um, I do love a single screw because how many Ugh. times during a practice session oh do you gosh, change this your reed? Is
1: awesome. I will never go back to having to have two screws on a,
0: right. on a
1: ligature again, if I can afford it. I mean, right. again, you know, geez, you know, you can take one of those really cheap summer ones that have the two screws and that'll hold the reed on your mouthpiece just fine. Right. And you can play the saxophone. You don't have, the, have to have the most expensive equipment to, to no, enjoy and making and jazz music. right now, Jeez until Louise, my ligature yeah.
0: comes out, I'm just using a stock ligature. Um, but um, it's interesting. So so thumbs up from Sue Fancher, even yeah. with that price tag. That's yeah. rather interesting. Yeah. So if you have hate me, send it to Susan Fancher. Yep. At G- to I'm kidding, kidding, kidding.
1: Yep, that's okay. So next <laughs> exciting news, you were
0: in Bordeaux, France.
1: It's actually outside of Paris.
0: Oh, Okay. But the
1: reason you're thinking of Bordeaux is because- I'm an alcoholic. No. <laughs> well, there is excellent wine there. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, the reason you're thinking of Bordeaux is that my a former teacher, Monsieur Jean-Marie Londex, um, was, this this conference was in his honor and he is the, was for a very long time, the teacher in Bordeaux. And that's where I studied with him. But this conference was hosted um, by Danielle Kinsey. Do you know who Danielle Kinsey is?
0: You um, Through you, yes.
1: So we a lot of us classical saxophonists know him as the guy who wrote that that uh Salabere published um book of multiphonics. Which I it's saxophone. my I keep it
0: on my nightstand.
1: Uh, Lisson yeah. multiple multiple sounds. Right. I keep that on my nightstand. Ooh,
0: that's a nice one. What what are those?
1: <sighs>
0: Ooh, that's nice. But
1: what so Daniel Kinsey hosted this small conference at his home which is a small castle a chateau that he bought about 10 years ago for his mother and he's been slowly renovating it and he hosted all 20 24 of us there at this like four-story old castle in um oh Mont uh i've got to look up the name of the town i can barely uh, pronounce about a half hour northeast of paris
0: okay hold pause yes I've got several questions.
1: I know. I've got to show you pictures so of this first place. of all,
0: about a four-story chateau for his mom. Thanks for making us all look bad. I
1: know, right? I've still oh got guilty gosh. voicemails
0: of my mom. Like, we sure like to see you, son. Like, like, yeah. I don't know. Lunch sounds like a lot of work. Let alone a four-story <laughs> chateau. I don't
1: know how he got this place, but- And second of all,
0: you know- <laughs> by writing a book on saxophone multiphonics- Will I be able to afford a four-story chateau? Well,
1: here's the thing that I learned about Daniel Kinsey, and I knew that he had made many, many, many CD recordings in his in his life, and not just CD, but pre-cd, so albums and but I don't know, hundreds of albums. And the bottom floor of the chateau has a museum with his his CDs all his saxophones hanging all over the place album covers this huge list of music that was composed for him and premiered by him a lot of works that he had improvised himself and also I didn't realize that he had played a lot of what they call music populaire he had played in bands and played popular styles of music like Rock bands, R&B bands, jazz bands, improvisational bands. He he was a working musician, is still to this day. He's still alive and, and working and performing. But, I mean, he's like really a guy who made a living as a saxophonist playing all kinds of music.
0: So he has a very expensive hobby. Where does the four-story chateau come? It doesn't matter. We'll move on. <laughs> I'll get past. Well,
1: I, it it needed to be renovated, and but I mean, it's like it's a half hour outside of Paris. I don't know. I don't know all of his Oh, this well, they're basically giving out.
0: those away. I guess yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Twenty-five minutes it's outside amazing. of Paris. Amazing. many yeah. millions, but right outside the thirty-minute mark, no one wants a chateau. I, nobody wants a totally chateau, understand.
1: and it's on a road that's called Rue de vieux chateau, which is the street of the old castle. I mean, it's and it's oh my and god, and a it's
0: saxophonist uh, awesome. lives there. Um, and yeah. okay, that's kind of magical. Yeah, and
1: he's just, it's really amazing. And just in case anybody's interested, I can put you in touch with him. He's looking for <laughs> somebody who wants to do as like maybe a dissertation project or something. He's looking for somebody to come and catalog all of his stuff, like his scores and his CDs and his, he just got Sounds like he so, needs so a, much stuff. He needs
0: to um, sponsor a Fulbright and, Scholar.
1: Something like that. Yeah, someone should apply. Um, or, no, yeah, seriously, like have seriously. him as a sponsor for a Fulbright exactly. study. Exactly. To go over there. And the,
0: I mean, that We're would a be. a dissertation
1: project, and they they can come and live at the chateau because he's got like tons, and it's a four story place. He he housed over 20 people for this conference. Okay.
0: So, totally. It was amazing. Totally. If you're a graduate student that wants to do your dissertation on the music of Daniel Kinsey. Kinsey? Get in
1: touch with me, Daniel Danielle Kinsey. Kinsey,
0: yeah. and you want to live in a chateau. Now, granted. Okay. For a full, summer, for full, a
1: semester. Full whatever. disclosure.
0: That's how horror movies start.
1: <laughs> he is a lovely person. It's a it's a bonus if you speak French. So especially if you speak French.
0: Okay. Yeah, otherwise lovely. You, you We can, had a lovely otherwise time. Otherwise be very fluent with Google Translate. So we, yeah. we
1: I had to pay for my own flight to get over there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But uh, but then once I got there, I had I was housed and they catered meals. There was wine and champagne and lovely just lovely meals. I mean, we had a wonderful time, and we had um, discussions, presentations, and discussions about um, the history of the manufacturing of the saxophone, um, Lundex's life and legacy, of course. And Lundex was there; he's ninety. How is he? He do, flew he's, up. He's doing. 90, he's doing okay. Wonderfully, yeah. I mean, he's ninety, but boy, when he got up there and was talking. Um, so uh, Bill Street was leading a lot of the discussions and would have these interviews and questions back and forth with Bill Lundex. Street, Canadian
0: sex Canadian it often translates for John Lundex. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah, and um, just Lundex was lively and just wonderful. I mean, oh, wow. so insightful. And then oh, just what did it you was learn? Really what, what's something
0: cool that you learned?
1: Oh geez, I learned. Let's <clears throat>
0: let's pretend that we're we got a little educational content here. That- I
1: learned that Marcel Mule really was um more of a working musician and less of what we um, refer to in French and probably in English too as an artiste as an artist in the sense of being really creative and cutting edge and trying to make new stuff and blaze new pathways and stuff like that right. that Londex said you you can't i mean you can't fault his his musicianship and all of that but he really actually wasn't a cutting edge guy and didn't get into a lot of contemporary music, new music, modern music. No. He did a lot of traditional stuff. He played with bands, he played for theater, and he was actually more of a working musician. We think of like academics now who are teaching in our universities and they're all like commissioning new music and right. doing no, recitals did not like, latest, uh, greatest.
0: So if you read, I say, so um, Eugene Rousseau, um, student of Marcel Mule. I think he may have been the first American or certainly the Possibly, most prominent yeah. American to go yeah. study with Marcel Mule, who is the second teacher at the Paris Conservatory of Music, who was the first Sue, who was the first saxophone teacher at the Paris Conservatory of Music. Was it
1: Adolf Sachs? It was Adolf Sachs. No. There was a gap. So yeah, like and then they, there was a gap. So they, yeah, they didn't like the hand over the right. keys. Yeah, yeah.
0: So um, there's a great book of um, Eugene Rousseau interviewing uh, Marcel Mule and it's out of publication.
1: Oh no. And all the people okay. that have
0: copies they're a little stingy with these copies, if I'm honest. Can't and
1: they like get one to a just, library so we could all?
0: Well, but then who's, borrow they, we someone just needs to scan it and be done with the thing so we yeah, can all see it because there's yeah. it's I have um got it through interlibrary loan at one oh, point. Okay, read it thoroughly. I should have photocopied it. Yeah, uh, but one of the things he talks about is why don't <clears throat> you play contemporary music? And and his quote, which is very mule, very French, and the response is. I do not play the new compositions for two reasons. Number one, I do not like the style of the music. I do not like this type of art. Number two, if I don't play it, I hope the composers will stop writing this way.
1: Uh, so he really
0: did not. Yeah. It wasn't like he didn't want to be cutting edge. He was intentionally. He did not like what, didn't like the what, what, did, uh, yeah. what Londex was doing. Yeah. Um, he did not think that was a good place to be taking the saxophone or music in general.
1: Well, even music before Lundex, yeah. Right, Lundex right, right. I studied with him, yeah. Well, yeah. But, but yeah.
0: where Lundex was going in the 70s, making <laughs> yeah. sounds that were yeah. unique, what can only be done on the saxophone?
1: Right. And that's Lundex's, I already knew about that because I studied with him, in right. Bordeaux, his concept of trying to create a body of music do saxophone, so of the saxophone, some music that could only be played on the saxophone as a As opposed to music, poor saxophone, music for the saxophone that could be played on anything else. And part of the concern was that if you don't have a body of music that requires that instrument, that that instrument could potentially fade away. And if you think about, I'm I'm not an expert in old music and old instruments, but there are old instruments that are no no longer played because, well. we Crumhorn. Yes, Crum for example, horn. we either yeah. don't care about the sound of that instrument or that music can be played on something else or we don't care for that music. Right. Mm, there's some food for thought. Anyway, but, you know, I think the saxophone is not going anywhere at this point. No, I No, mean, that seems, inten-
0: that seems intentionally obtuse of him, if I'm honest. Greta, and maybe yeah.
1: there was a concern at some time, but at this point in time, I would say that between jazz and concert bands mm-hmm. and saxophone quartet the saxophones going nowhere cuz those 3 um genres of music right. it like they don't exist without the saxophone well in
0: the first you know big hit of the saxophone you know there are the the early orchestral com- composers oh, yeah. that you know uh, was it berlioz They called it the undo withoutable instrument yeah was it was it berlioz oh boy again It was me. one of the big names yeah we're it's been a long time since I had to study for my own. Uh, well oral Strauss, yeah, exams. same here. i yeah, yeah. like
1: I dumped all that out. Yeah, Rousseau
0: <laughs> recorded a CD called The Undo Without Edible Instrument, and it ah. was a recording of uh, Soprano Saxophone. Um, but I don't remember which composer said that. It's, it's kind of a, a, a burdensome title, but it was yeah. because it was a quote from a famous composer. Yeah. It wasn't barely, it was, it was a big name like that. But um
1: I mean Strauss used the saxophone. Yeah. I mean, but it's yeah. you know
0: aside from those couple of things, it was the military bands where it caught on like wildfire. Yeah, and that's you know in in saxophone the Late competition. 1800s. Yeah, yeah. with the, uh, yeah. you know they had different competitions of co- combinations. So you're right, the military band and as Tim Timothy Timothy what word? Tim McAllister. To, Tim McAllister? Tim yeah. McAllister said you know that when you, a saxophone is it's the iconography of jazz. When you think oh, if you geez, want to draw yeah. a picture. That represents jazz. You draw a saxophone. Yeah. So the saxophone's not going away. No, and you can't as have a s- band without as it as a solo classical inter- instrument. Yeah, I could see that being not a huge thing, but I'm okay with that. I. Well, no,
1: I also don't think it's going think, anywhere there. No. I mean, I get I get asked to play, you know, yeah, in church or you know recitals and things it's like that a, it's yeah. just it's just a great we're here, instrument we're here to stay we're here to stay you can't yeah. get rid of us you may not like us but you can't get we're, rid of us
0: <laughs> so i want to also hone in on one of the other things you guys talked about oh and, my gosh and talked about there was the yep. music of
1: he talked a lot about the music of charles Kirschlin. so charles Kirschlin. so some people say koshlin koshlin Cochlin, all these things it's really so the oe is kind of an er sound i'm sure i'm not saying it exactly it, right he was now. french right He's French, and, and it's you're so fluent, funny, aren't you? Well, I I get it. I get. I can do. I hold my own okay in French. I did do my presentation in English and get it translated over there when I was at this conference because I mean I speak French, but I can't really express myself as well in French as I can in English. So I took advantage oui. of of a we oui. oui, merci yeah. as a Bill Street during the. Uh,
0: Je ne parle français.
1: Oh, c'est pas mal ça. See, si? <laughs> to oh, uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> You just said you don't speak French, but you were when speaking I was in when I was in so Paris. So like when C'est I was in Paris, I peak, right? had the perfect
0: accent. Je ne parle pas français.
1: That's all you have to and, say. And so our, our host was
0: like, "You're saying that a little too weird." Yeah, it's a you little- have
1: you have to say that a little less good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> he talked a lot about the music of Charles Kirkland. He talked about a symphony that Kirkland wrote that um, doesn't get played much, and that. Um, or doesn't or didn't get played much. Doesn't get played anymore or whatever. But if I understood him correctly, it has four saxophone parts in it. So I I haven't quite nailed that down yet. But I went and I looked um, in Lundex's book, uh, a comprehensive guide to the saxophone repertoire. So those of you that can't see, there's a long list of music by right. Charles Kirschner. So
0: Lundex, as much as I might kind of disagree with his view on the classical and saxophone music, but who am I to disagree with you know, he's on right. decks. I'm Wally Wallace, I have puppets and YouTube channel. You're entitled but to your I'm, <laughs> ent- I'm entitled to my <laughs> stupid opinion, but um, there's no one that could say he wasn't fastidious and studious in promoting, documenting, and analoging mm. things for saxophone. So, one of the books when I was in college, it was like you're a saxophonist, you got to drop a hundred dollars on
1: yeah, the comprehensive this book. guide. There was an earlier one that, you know, had 150 years of the saxophone. And then I, there was another, yeah. you've got to right on yourself. Everybody's uh, yeah, got it. i got a, it on my shelf. Well, not everybody, but.
0: Yeah, and this anybody is, who's anybody. Anybody
1: who's anybody. A Comprehensive Guide to the Saxophone Repertoire from 1844 to 2003. I think there's like another book that's after 2003. But of course, Kirchland lived in the 20th century. Well, he's born in the, He's born in the eighteen hundreds. I got the dates somewhere We're here on a piece of paper, but <laughs> hold on. to anyway. we'll get our editor to stick that in. Here I got. Yeah, I got. Okay. I Eighteen sixty seven to nineteen fifty. Okay. So his music is in in this book. So the thing is, I I he was talking about the music of Charles Kirkland. He's like, um, he was insisting that the reason it wasn't, it didn't catch on and wasn't championed in the way that it deserved to be, was that Kirkland had. On um, political views that were not popular at the time.
0: And now Sue is going to say the C word. He was- He
1: had communist tendencies.
0: And now our he podcast was is a being communist. monitored. So big shout out to our oh, FBI do- agent, Larry, <laughs> who is perking up and writing notes. Yeah. Uh,
1: so yeah. So it wasn't that his music was blacklisted and it wasn't that he was like shut out of the musical world because I did a little looking into it and he was like in charge- and led some of the organizations like the the Society for French Composers and things like that. He was a beloved figure and, you know, studied with Foray, studied with Massanet. He was right in the mainstream of French, you know, French music society. But of course, two things I think were probably going on. One is that okay, he was a communist and that wasn't a popular thing to be politically at that time. So that probably got him a little bit dissed. But also his style of music wasn't um, Schoenbergian. It wasn't 12 tone. It wasn't, It. I mean, it wasn't really Stravinsky. It wasn't this cutting edge stuff that sort of took over academia.
0: No. And so yeah. he was
1: outside of academia in a way. So I think, and there are a lot of composers who didn't, who weren't like, in the in crowd because they weren't doing this kind of atonal modernist writing. He does some polytonality, so two different tonalities at the same time. And some of his music is kind of edgy sounding, but a lot of it's just beautiful and tuneful.
0: Let's talk about the saxophone repertoire. So what is the first saxophone piece you think they should check out?
1: Well, the first saxophone piece that I knew that he wrote was the epitaph
0: Jean Harlow Jean Harlow Harlow, but but Jean Harlow Jean Harlow Jean
1: Harlow because check it out Kirkland was a big fan of Hollywood beautiful Um, piece for flute alto saxophone and piano
0: It's very popular. Any saxophonist who has a friend that's a flutist has to play that. And if the flutist says no, they're not your friend. Totally. Yeah, it's beautiful. Totally. Yeah, I played it on one of my
1: recitals as an undergrad at Northwestern. So that piece I knew of, but I didn't know he had written a ton of other stuff.
0: Okay, so what's like another awesome saxophone piece that that maybe people should check so out? So he
1: wrote all these etudes ah, for saxophone, saxophone and piano. Saxophone, 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 saxophone. saxophone. and I'm getting <laughs> all getting all Dutchy. <laughs> saxophone, uh, saxophone and piano. The I think it's 15 etudes. The second one is particularly beautiful. So these are
0: great etudes. What difficulty level would you say these are for?
1: You could play them in high school, yeah. college, for sure.
0: Yeah, and they're beautiful. So let's take a listen to this. Is number two? Yeah, it's let's gorgeous. See the second eight.
1: and tuneful you know so there's 15 there's got to be one or two that you're gonna like (laughs) (laughs) and claude Delong has recorded um some of them i think the 10th one is on one of his cds the saxophone francaise or something like that beautiful and then uh um oh uh, Federico mondelci italian saxophonist has a gorgeous recording of these um so arno (laughs) arno bornkamp recorded um a couple of sonatinas that Kirkland wrote that were for either oboe d'amore or soprano saxophone, and they are for soprano sax with um, with a small chamber ensemble, oh or there are my. Um, piano versions. I did not know about these pieces. Here I am, you know, primarily as a soprano saxophonist. I can't believe I didn't know about these two sonatinas, they are gorgeous. So I had the Duke Music Library just order them last week because I've got to get my hands on them. Oh, fantastic. How did I not know about this music? And there's a couple of septoirs for a bunch of other wind instruments together. There's some monodies, so for saxophone solo. There's a bunch of duos, 24 duos. I think there's two different sets of duos. I mean, the man wrote so much music, so I went and printed out the list of music this okay. man wrote.
0: In the phone book that is the Jean-Marie Lundek's, uh guide to saxophone music, uh, Sue Finchers pulled out like a dissertation on his, holy cow, that's a lot of music.
1: Opus 180. I mean, Opus 220. He wrote so much music. He wrote 220 pieces and there's a bunch for saxophone. And so why it, are we not playing this music? Well, Was I'll tell a- you why. Why?
0: Capitalism. If he were a good communist, he would have uh, published it in uh, in, in, uh, Creative Commons licensing and made it public domain and we'd all be downloading it and playing it for free. I just
1: feel like this is so, you know, I've been complaining and I'm I'm guilty of complaining about the saxophone repertoire and I've been taken to task a little bit. About that. And okay, guilty as charged, touche, touche, blah, wait, wait, blah, wait, wait. blah. Who's
0: giving you grief about a rep- you, your I don't
1: know. Some people have said, Well, these people who say there's no good music for sax. Well, I don't think I've ever said that there's no good music for saxophone. No. I get frustrated that the music that's getting written now is so often so difficult, has so much altissimo, so many special effects that I can't play that music. Did I say the can't word? Ugh. No. I don't choose to play that music for a normal, general, concert-going population. Right. And I, I maintain that I am responsible for my audience's enjoyment of the program. And, and your thing about, like, you don't put a whole huge dollop of wasabi or some other... There was a kind of food.
0: Uh, A broccoli rob, Yeah. Which I still maintain is a poisonous weed (laughs) that the restaurant industry, the high-end restaurant industry is trying to kill us with.
1: But I have to say, eat my words, there apparently is a lot more great saxophone music that's been written out there that I need to learn about. And I have, in fact, in recent months been trying to spend more time and energy looking at recordings that have been made of music that's already written that is glorious. And there's a ton. And look at this book by Lundex. It's, you know, a good solid inch and a half thick on thin paper with tiny print of pieces that have been written for the saxophone.
0: Wait, this is an audio podcast. Sue, would you just drop that in your lap so people can hear it? Yeah, she's wincing in pain. I mean, this, She may have broken a female. And this
1: isn't, an, you know, like eight and a half by 11. Yeah, it's size a. Size book. It's a. Saxophone it's a music. huge, huge book and that's, of music so, for saxophone. So that
0: point you said that, um, you know, the people that say there's no good saxophone music, and you're saying you think about your audience. Now, the, the devil's advocacy, which I will never argue for the academics, yeah. but is that, well, it's your job to expose them and train them and show them why my music's so great. I posit, I'm not putting words in your mouth, yeah. that number one, a lot of the academics that say that aren't writing great music. They think their music is great, and I don't think the problem is with the audience. Um, and I don't think, I think some audience exposure, but I think this kind of condescending, the audience needs to understand. The problem is not my like music. That yeah, yeah. I don't like that attitude. I don't like that attitude. I've taken the argument a little too far the other way. I, I understand.
1: I play so much contemporary music, and I always work as hard as possible um, to program it well, for an appropriate audience, present it well, and surround it with other music so I'm not just beating people over the head. All right. And and if you do it well with the right attitude, that's not like you need to know about this, but more like, hey, check this out. This is going to sound a little strange, but think about it like this, and let me show you what's going on here. People, they... they it's the y- people same are not in, stupid the, in the and- jazz world, <laughs> yeah. right? So I'm.
0: Um, I just had, and later we're going to release a, a podcast with one of my uh, my colleagues, Christopher Peoples, who works with me on the jazz end of the academy. So, yeah. And we were talking about how at first we did not get Coltrane and Parker, and that's okay. Right. and that's why we're um, we're diving into Lou Donaldson's Blues Walk with our students Loving this month. It. And he was saying that when he he equates it to Hank Mobley. Have are you familiar with Hank yeah. Mobley? Yeah. So Soul Station. It was like I get it, I yeah. get it, and then that's a great gateway drug to maybe get to the other things. But here's just the thing, if you never get to understand or maybe you never click with Love Supreme, that's okay.
1: That's okay. That's okay. That's totally okay. Yeah, I mean, I can listen to Zanakis and you know Schoenberg and all of that. <laughs> I stuff.
0: See, I'm seeing Sue get up in the morning in her like her um, uh, mundane uh, print pajamas, putting on Zanakis and brushing Maybe her teeth. Maybe not in the
1: morning. Maybe while I'm cooking dinner. Artisanal walrus tusk toothbrush. <laughs> but I mean, I love to go to concerts of stuff. I mean, if you go to Schoenberg, um, oh gosh, now I'm blanking on the name of that that piece um, where you have the clown, uh, um, oh, Piero um, Lunaire. Pierre Lunaire. Oh my gosh, if I ever get a chance to go to a live concert performance of that, you bet I'm gonna be there. And it's just fascinating. But you don't have to like that stuff. No. But but I like that stuff, and that's cool, but that's not the only stuff No. And No, like.
0: when I stub my toe, I do some superstissime <laughs> in the style of Arnold Schoenberg, but that's when I stub my toe. And it can also be great art.
1: Yeah, and and I don't know. Maybe some people only have like these little segments of music that they like to listen to. But I'm betting most people are like me. Like I'm a huge Barbara Streisand fan. Mm-hmm. I just heard she's got a new album out of recordings live from live concerts back in the '60s. Oh yeah, I'm totally putting that on my Christmas li- wish list. I love her music. Ava Cassidy, you know Phil Woods. You know, I love all kinds of different music and R&B, Chicago, you know, Journey for crying out loud.
0: All that I assume, stuff I grew
1: up with. Yeah. Don't
0: you stop believing. <laughs> don't. So I love believing. that Sue Finchers listen to Zanakis and Journey. Yeah, man. Yeah. Do you think the Glee Club's going to make state sectionals this year? I don't know. <laughs> we'll find out. Oh, gosh. So we get some homework uh, for people to listen uh, to with Kirschland. Yeah. So people go get listening.
1: So there's a, a recording out there on YouTube. It's also on Spotify. Three hours of the complete saxophone music of Charles Kirchland, recorded by David Bruti and colleagues and ensembles and so forth and so on that I stumbled upon, brilliantly played, brilliantly recorded. He's a student of Lone Dex, and then Marie Bernadette-Charrier, who is the, the current teacher. student of Lone Dex who took over the class in Bordeaux Correct. after And Lone our
0: Dex. friend, Canadian saxophonist Nicole Strom, studied at Bordeaux with yes, her. Yes,
1: exactly. Yeah. So go listen to this recording by David Brutti. Just put it on in the background. It's three hours. You can get it on Spotify. You can just go Google Um, saxophone music of charles kirkland or
0: we could put a link in the show notes
1: yeah we could do that three hours i mean it's just great i started listening to it i was like wow how cool is this beautifully beautifully performed soprano pieces alto pieces tenor and berry pieces alto and alto soprano and alto oh my gosh awesome
0: okay well i'm i'm gonna say you kind of got me excited about classical saxophone again Yay. I honestly did not expect that, and I've kind of rekindled my passion. I just can't you believe You coming back just and hearing you, you say, yeah. And so I'm kind of getting excited too. So maybe we can have a challenge of people digging up some of this Kershlan piece, recording it, and we'll share.
1: Yeah, so, and it looks to me like almost all of it's like available, published. You can get that's it. That's a big thing. I hate yeah. it when
0: people say, you got to play this piece. you got to contact the composer by yeah. writing a snail mail letter, delivering yeah. it to the Alaska Fairbanks, uh, and then they'll hand deliver it to Courier, Yep. Like, yeah, Like Well, little
1: by little, I'm going to make sure that Duke Library gets it all and you can at least do interlibrary loan from your local library to Duke Library.
0: L- a question, can a, buy it. can a yeah. public library get an interlibrary loan to a university oh library? Oh
1: my gosh, I don't know. that. Uh, I should know that. I don't know, because I've always been like an academic. Or
0: let's all read some Thomas Pinchant, yeah. uh, Crying of Lot uh, 22, and see if there's a better system for trading things. If you get that reference, go ahead and mail your lunch money to (laughs) Wally Wilder Night Crier. (laughs) Hey, guys. uh, Go check out one. And uh, any questions, let's do a mailback episode soon.
1: Yeah, we got to do that. And if you
0: have any questions, email. You can email wally at and Or if you have a message or a question just for Sue, just say, Wally, shut up. Sue answer this. (laughs) And I'll forward it (laughs) to her. And we'll make up answers.
1: Sounds awesome. How How fun. fun. Have a great week,
0: everybody. And uh, Uh, go go practice.
1: practice. Oh,